Let's pray. Father, I pray that our time together would be a demonstration of your Spirit's power. That the words that would come from my lips would be a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That not a single thing from my own mind would come forth. In Jesus' name. Uh, as I was coming in today, one of my buddies uh, said, you know, I've never heard you uh, speak before. He said, no, I mean, I hear you speak all the time, but I've never heard you say anything of significance. So uh, <laughs> that was his word of encouragement to me this morning. So when I was talking to my daughter, Emmy, this week uh, about this message, she goes, Dad, what are you going to talk about? And I said, uh, brokenness and humiliation. She said, Why would you talk about that? Now, she's 12, and as a 12-year-old, she hasn't necessarily experienced dramatic brokenness and humiliation yet in her life. So it was very difficult for her to understand why we would want to talk about this. I want to define brokenness for you. This is from Lon Solomon, who is a pastor in the U.S. He says, brokenness is the process by which God dislodges our self-life and teaches us to rely on him alone in every facet of our lives. Brokenness is the process whereby God crushes all our self-dependence and in place substitutes our utter dependence on God and God alone in every area of our lives. Watchman Nee says in his book, The Release of the Spirit, brokenness is the way of blessing, the way of fragrance, the way of fruitfulness. But it's also the path sprinkled with blood from the wounds. Yes, it's the blood of the many wounds we suffer. When we offer ourselves to the Lord for a service, we cannot afford to be lenient and spare ourselves. We must allow the Lord to crack open our outward man utterly so that he may find a way out for his working through us. To understand the Lord's purpose is to see very clearly that he is aiming on it at a single objective. It is a simply breaking of our outward man. So God's motive behind all things he has ordered into our lives is clearly the breaking of the outward man. Once this occurs, our spirit can come forth, and we are enabled to exercise the release of our spirit consistently. Now, when I first came to China, my, the, I don't know, maybe two months or three months before I came, my brother uh, advised my wife Tammy and I uh, that when you come to China, anything you've got in your life, any bad thing, any addiction, any struggle with God, any struggle in your marriage with your children is going to be exacerbated when you come to China. That some, for some reason, God works in people's lives in China to bring out all the yucky stuff to clean it out of their system. And when he said that, it all, I think when I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this with some of the, the other guys, that I kind of intellectually assented to that and I understood to some extent, okay, something's going to happen or some things are going to happen. I didn't know what. Well, it didn't take long. Uh, Tammy and I, so we, we've been in Beijing since 2005 with our family. We have four daughters from 15 to 9, um, and we've been here since 2005, and so about nine years this summer. So the first week I landed on the ground here in China, uh, you have to go through the normal process of getting your passport and your visa done. Well, when I was 22 years old, uh, I had finished five years of college, but in the midst of that five years of college, I failed to apply myself in a way that would earn a degree. Now, at that time, I didn't realize when you came to China, you actually were supposed to have an actual piece of paper, a degree that says, hey, you're graduated. I spent too many days lying on the couch watching Days of Our Lives, uh, Santa Barbara, and all those wonderful shows that were on in the middle of the afternoon, which was class time. And when I landed on the ground, they asked me for my diploma. I said, what? Now, mind you, my wife and I, we've sold everything, our house. 
two businesses, uh, uplifted the family, came here, got a job so we could be here on the ground uh, tent making, but yet do ministry in the marketplace. That was our vision, our call to China. And now I'm sitting here going, the first week, we're going to have to go back. I'm petrified. And I, so in the first week of being here, the Lord already began to take something from my past, from 15 years before. My own depravity, my own weaknesses, my own desire to just to do what I wanted to do and revealed it to me immediately, the consequences of that. And immediately, the first smack, the first breaking that the Lord did. Now, for us men, we're not like the ladies. We're, we're a little bit slower than you guys, so the Lord has to work a little bit harder to, to work on us. So when Watchman he talks about the outer shell, the outer man. What he's talking about is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the soul that surrounds the spirit, that blocks the spirit from working in our lives. Now, we're not talking theologically right now. We're talking about practical. We all know that many of us are hard as rocks. And when we don't see the spirit work in our lives, it's because the outer shell, the outer man, has so ingrained with our desire for our own self-will, our self-knowledge, our self-justification, we refuse to allow the Lord to have his way with us. And therefore, you see no fruit. You don't see the fruit of the Spirit. You may see a guy that does a lot of moral, religious things, but you don't see the fruit of the Spirit. Well, it's because of this shell, this outer shell. Joyce, tell me about that. Is it hard or is it soft? It's very hard, okay? So this is me when I first come to China, to some extent. Now, fortunately, the Lord, in his graciousness, these are newfangled nutcrackers. The old ones were much more uh, harsh. So that first week... You know, he did the first crack. So that was just a little bit. So in Philippians uh, chapter 3, Paul talks about, I'll read this to you. Paul says that, For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Now, Paul, as we know, in the rest of that passage, he talks about why he's confident in the flesh, because he's the Pharisee of all Pharisees. This guy, at that time, was the most religious, moral guy you could find. He says, according to the law, I'm actually blameless. He actually didn't even break the law. But yet he still uh, had no self-confidence in the sense that he did not believe in himself anymore. The Lord broke him throughout his life. And you go back and you study the New Testament, how the Lord broke him. First was revealing himself and the fact that he was killing and he was persecuting the Lord himself. So the Lord was gracious and broke him to the point where he would say in Philippians 3, I put no confidence in the flesh. Well, I, I got to tell you, me and I think a lot of the men here in this group, I can only speak for the men, when we talk about it, the amount of confidence we put in our flesh when we're in the workplace, when we're trying to lead our families, when we're trying to lead our children, it's shocking. It's shocking because our shell is so hard. We're not really sure how to do it any other way. We're not sure how to rely on the Lord. Now, Paul, when he talks about this, Paul is so clear in his identity of who he was in Christ. He was not confused. Most of us are confused. We're walking around not sure. We're, we can't understand why the sin that's still present in our lives is still seem to have victory over us. We don't believe Romans 6 when it says you, were cruci- you, you died and rose again with Christ 2,000 years ago. We don't believe that was a historical fact for ourselves. We may believe, oh, my sins are forgiven, but we actually don't believe we have real life. We don't have the new man. The new man actually set, has, gives us the power to abide. Gives us the power to obey. It's not about sanctifying my flesh. 
It's about living in this by the Spirit and the new man that Rick and everyone else has been preaching on over the last several months about biting in the Spirit. But the problem is I've got this hard shell. I, won't, I can't let it through. Now, the New Testament and the Old Testament are replete with all kinds of guys that the Lord had to break. If you go start with Abraham to Moses to Jeremiah to Isaiah to the New Testament when you have, of course, Jesus and Peter and Paul, if you go back and you watch when they became useful to God, it was always after brokenness. It was always after he took them through something. Because until that point, they were relying upon themselves. I mean, Moses had the greatest upbringing you could imagine. He was a prince, basically. But the Lord had to send him 40 years in the desert before he could have him be used. And at that, after that 40 years, Moses said, I, I'm not qualified. How dare you send me? There's no way. But what takes a man to get to that point where he has absolutely no self-confidence, no self-reliance, to be really, truly at a place of true humility? Well, he took him through 40 years of breaking in the wilderness on the backside of the desert. Now, God targets, he has to target certain things that, to break us. Pride, autonomy, self-righteousness, self-confidence, self-wisdom, selfishness, self-justification. Every idea I have, every emotion that I have, the Lord has to target those things. And so the ones he most specifically will target is individual to each one of us. But it's the one that we have the most self-confidence in and the most self-reliance. That's where he's going to aim. Now, he does that both gradually and quickly. And I'm going to demonstrate through my life, some of, in my, and Tammy's life, some of the things that he's done both gradually and suddenly to create this breaking. Now, prior to this, there's two reasons that I've identified and that other people have identified as reasons why you ha- are unwilling to be broken. One is you live in darkness. You don't understand this process. So when bad things come into your life, you immediately assume, oh, that's because I've been disobedient. We, we take the reap what you sow into this time in history. And we say, oh, if anything bad happens to me because I'm not praying enough, I'm not uh, fasting, I'm not doing certain things that would bring blessing to my life. But that's not what the New Testament teaches. So there could be a point where I'm just ignorant that when the Lord brings discipline in my life, it's for my benefit, not to punish me. And then the second way, reason is self-love, which is probably the biggest one, is that, frankly, we want to be God. And if you ever doubt you want to be God, just play a rec- recording of your day and see how many times you make a judgment of someone else, how many times you get angry, how many times you say, I would never do it that way. It takes me about... 30 minutes in the day, into the day before I can play that recording and realize I want to be God. Now, for me, it required humiliation. The Lord knew because I have a pride and an ego that I had a self-reliance and a self-sufficiency because when I was 22 years old, my dad, I'd, we had a family business from the time I was 13 to the time I was 22. And one of the reasons why I blew off college was I thought I was going to go and run the company business. It was a retail business fairly successful, late 80s, uh, early 90s. The problem was the, the last quarter of my time at Ohio State, uh, the, the banks uh, called the loan on the business. This is during some of the banking crisis issues. And therefore, the company had to be liquidated. So I'm finishing up. This is going to be my future liquidation. My dad, who I you know, basically could not imagine a better dad, a greater business guy, at 52 years old, 
going bankrupt. 52 years old. And I remember sitting there as he and I were loading up the last piece of uh, toys and furniture to take to our house and do a garage sale out of our final store and saying, I'm never going to let that happen to me. Never. I will never let that happen to me. And I created a vow in my heart that ran the next 10 years of my life. And even longer than that, next 15 years of my life. There's a reason why the Lord tells us don't make a vow. So I told you about landing in Beijing, the first cracking. Over the next five to five years, the Lord did breaking in a couple different areas. One, after I got into my company and things started to you know, get a little bit better, we had gone through a very significant financial stress because we did not come over on an expat package. We came over on our own. And, you know, took a huge pay cut to do that. And so the finances went all the way down here. And so the Lord did some little baby cracking on us, you know, through that process. And then, you know, things kind of come back this way. But in the midst of that, as he's doing that, then he brings in work humiliation. We had unknowingly hired a convicted felon uh, from the U.S. who had basically uh, fleed from the United States, was on the Interpol list of most wanted. And we hired him. And I'm a recruitment firm, and so, you know, recruitment firms are supposed to do background checks and reference checks, which we did, but when someone's operating under an alias, you're doing a background checks on not that person, so therefore you're not going to find out who he really is. So, very uh, funny and long story, very short, is this guy went after me. And he is a, he is a prototypical narcissist, he's a master manipulator, he's the guy they make movies about. And he got everybody in the company to turn on me. He got everybody in the company to doubt me. He got it to the point where the CEO was this close to firing me, and the only reason he hadn't, because he couldn't reconcile what this guy was saying about me and what he knew about me. And so for some reason, the Lord was gracious and protected me in that moment and eventually moved this guy out. But it wasn't until the point where the Lord took me to place where I said, Lord, I don't care. If I get taken out, I'm taken out. I can't do anything about it. I can't fight this guy. And through God's grace... He broke me up a bit, but not fully. Then fast forward to a year or two after that. Tammy and I were sitting over here behind Yosemite uh, on the kind of the, I don't know if it's the north side of Yosemite, parked in the car. Uh, We've been talking a lot about, uh, she'd been talking to me about how I'm responding to her and how I'm caring for her, loving her. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean? I'm the best husband there is. Are you kidding me? I'm always doing whatever I can for you, blah, blah. And she looks me dead in the eye and says, Chris, I love you, but I don't like you very much. <laughs> humiliation. Husband humiliation. It was, it was like a conversion experience. It was a conversion experience in that moment. But that was just one of the other areas the Lord had to work on. And he took us through many other different snares until it culminated with the last two and a half years where we... Went through this period where uh, I had left my old company. I felt the Lord was calling myself to start a company uh, on a vision that we would basically create a partnership where everyone in the company had a chance to own part of the company. And in China, this is kind of unheard of. People can't trust each other. Why in the heck would you do a partnership with six partners? And people will never be able to agree on anything. It'll be a nightmare. But I felt the Lord calling us to this. And so over a period of two and a half years, through that process, the Lord continued. He beat me up on leadership. He says, Chris, you thought you were a good leader, but let me show you what a good leader is. I'm going to have to take you down 
to a point where you have no self-confidence left, that you realize the only way you have this company and the only way you have these partners and the only way you have any success is because I, by my grace, have given it to you, not because of anything that you have done. And so he took us through circumstance after circumstance. I had relocated Tammy and the girls back to the U.S. for a year to try to save money so that we could build the company up. And every time I'd fly back up for 16 months, you know, every two weeks on the plane back and forth to the U.S., and I'd get off the plane in the U.S., you know, after stressing out here for two weeks to get everything going, go back to the U.S., Tammy's there waiting for me. You know, I come in the night, you know, the, the, at night, everything's okay. The next morning by 10 o'clock, tears. Where are we going to live? Are we staying in America? Are we going back to China? Where are the kids going to go to school if we go to China? We don't, there won't be any money to do any, I mean, just these conversations over every single time. And I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm the best, most persuasive guy in the flesh. The old man knows how to persuade and paint the picture and self-justify. I would just sit there. I literally could not say anything. I would just sit there. And anyone that knows me would tell you that that's impossible. I literally could not say a word. And the Lord was just trying to break through this final layer of self-reliance, this self-justification. He finally did that in March of last year, of 2013, we're in the midst of these trials financially. All the money was gone. Uh, the business was still ramping up, but we couldn't take money out of the company as we're ramping it up. I'm sitting there with my partners, who I am the, I'm always the strong guy. Everything's always going to be optimistic. Everything's perfect. I'm sitting here in the boardroom. We finish our partner meeting, and someone asks me about something, and I just break out weeping in front of these guys. And I'm telling you, my image in their mind went from this to this because the crying and the brokenness to them was weakness a weak leader how could we have left our companies how could we have trusted this guy how could we have they couldn't believe it. i mean they're weeping too i don't know what they're weeping about i don't know if it's because they don't know why i'm weeping so they're scared and they're crying but they all start crying too at least the girls do and then the, the two guys aren't really sure what's going on now, fortunately, one of the guys, uh, they all have, uh, two of the guys are believers, and so they could look at it through that lens, but it was still a different lens. They couldn't understand how a guy at 46 years old could go broke, how he didn't plan well enough for the business. How could he have been so careless? How could he have been so uh, frivolous to, you know, spend money in a certain way to lead him to this point? And so literally every ounce of credibility was taken in that one instant of brokenness. Now, there was two more things he had to do. So not that he hadn't done enough. We're in the middle of uh, our landlord in the U.S. We're having a fight with her. She's trying to evict us. We've been in three, we lived in three different houses during that one year. Uh, she was a bit crazy um, and was coming after us and Tammy for some reason. It was a long story. So we had that going on. And then we have an investor that's trying to invest in our company. And this will actually allow us to come back to China and do all these things that we hoped from the very beginning at the, uh, literally at the 11th hour, my partner's all back out. And I'm saying this is the end of May. I mean, literally, zero. We're below zero. There is no 401k sitting over here. There is no other backup plan, some extra equity in a house, you know, all these backup plans that we as men like to have, right? We like to have the security blanket somewhere. The Lord took the last bit of security out, and then he, boom, kills this deal. It culminates in a, literally a year ago, I think either today or sometime this week, with the ultimate 
humiliation. I'm sitting there down at Annie's downtown at the CBD with my partners. We just had a meeting, and Tammy sends me a note. Hey, we got a pro- we got no money in the account. I can't pay this. I can't pay that. The call. Twenty years later, Dad, you're never gonna believe this. And I start laughing because I need to borrow some money. I call my dad after I vowed I would not be him. And almost, I mean, about five years difference in age. But I'm 45 years old. He was 52. My vow of 20 years before was coming to fruition. The Lord says, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Dad, can I borrow some money? It's just pathetic. It was the ultimate and. And at that point, I was, I was actually laughing because I realized that by this point, okay, I'm filleted, all the ego's gone, my physical health is fine, outside of that, you've done everything else, you know, you've taken it all, it's, it's cool, I'm, I'm absolutely cool with it, dad, I have no problem asking you for the money, I, if you can, and of course, my dad and his graciousness. demonstration of the Spirit's power helped us out. The Lord at that point was trying to finish this stage of the work. It was to the point where there was no, there's nothing left in me to want to fight him. I said, it's, it's cool. Let's go. We'll do whatever. I'll move back to the States. We'll sell the, I'll sell my share in the company, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. And it was at that point over the next coming weeks that he then began to do his work of put together a deal for our company that is only explained by him and what he did and the financial structure, the way he redeemed my relationship with my partners and created a new trust with them, the way he pulled together basically a valuation on our business that was really ridiculous. It should not have been at that valuation. Uh, now, please don't, please make sure this isn't recorded so these guys don't find out. But it was really the Lord that did it and provided the provision that literally we're sitting here in the middle of July, still at that point because the deal was finally closing and we had to be back by August 1st. And the Lord pulls it off, does everything literally within a two week period, gets the deal signed, sells our house, does all these things to allow us to be back here. Now, I'm not mistaken, the circumstances themselves to me don't matter anymore. The circumstances, because they are positive at that point, and they have been since then, makes no difference. Because the Lord has shown that he must break me in many different areas still. And now, instead of being a walnut, I'm hopefully a softer seed. And Tammy's a softer seed after everything she's been through. That, you know, now, you know, with his fingers, he can just very gently pull me apart. And it doesn't take so much work to do it. That's my prayer. That's my hope. That's my prayer for all of us, that we like the woman. I don't know if you guys remember, in, uh, there's, four different, there's three different versions of this story, and there's a fourth one in, in the Gospel of Luke, where Ma- they believe it to be Mary. Mary comes in when Jesus is reclining in, in Simon's house and takes everything that she has and breaks it over his head. She takes every last thing she had. This is her dowry. This is her inheritance. This is, it's over a year's worth of wages. 
and she dumps it over Jesus in in an act of extravagance that everybody else around her says, what a waste. How dare you? We could have given that money to the poor. And in one of the accounts in Luke, Jesus says to the guy, hey, guys, there's two debtors. One of them owes $10 million, one of them owes $100. And I forgive, and, and the king forgives that debt. Who's going to be more grateful? And of course, the guy says, of course, the one with the larger debt. This woman was somebody that understood the debt that was paid, or was going to, she's actually looking forward, the debt that was going to be paid for the forgiveness of her sins. Therefore, this act of extravagance, this wasting on Jesus was of no issue to her. The purpose of the Lord breaking is us so he can use us for his glory, for his purposes, not for ours. He breaks us so that we come over him and pour everything that we've got over him. Today it's not perfume. Today it's our USB stick with all of our passwords for all of our bank accounts. It's all our talents, all our treasures, everything that we've got that we hold value. For each one of us it's something different. It may be multiple things. But until we break those over the head of the Lord... He's not going to be able to use this fully. Only through brokenness and humiliation, I believe, are the two primary ways the Lord does this in our lives. Before you embrace that, just be prepared. Ask him to be gentle with you. I'm so grateful. I would not take back a single, not a single thing. If he did not do that, there's no way I would have a sense of the Holy Spirit the way he works in my life now than he did before. There's no way. Lon Solomon in his book, Brokenness, talks about when men are broken, when people are broken, they're approachable. They're teachable. They don't have a turf. They don't care what ministry it is. Come. This is the fathers. Paul saying, I don't care if the gospel's preached for ill gain. As long as Christ crucified is preached, I don't care. So the Lord's asking us this morning, what are the things that are up here that we're yet to break? open on him and pour out as an offering for him are we willing to be wasted are we willing to be broke apart as as uh, mark was saying earlier today little bits and pieces then given to those around us that's what we're to be done we're to be broken bread and poured out wine broken bread and poured out wine that's what he calls us for let me close in prayer father we thank you that uh the gentleness by which you break us We're grateful for every bit of it. Because through that breaking, your grace is shown forward. The riches of your grace are so powerful. The riches of your grace overwhelms us that we want and come and waste our life on you. All our time, all our time is wasted and poured over your head. That the aroma that that, uh, Robin talked about last week, when the saints are broken, when the saints are extravagant, There's an aroma that fills the room that can only be described as an aroma from heaven. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.